Welcome to episode 20 of Super Entertainment Presents the Television Crossover Universe on the Grand Geek Null Network, coming to you from Castle Wolfenstein, hosted by, by the TVC crew. While we had barely anybody here last time, we have a whole plethora of people here right now. Uh, joining me in the studio is crazy Ivan Shabowski, convention panelist and lover of cheese. From Studio B is James Boyachek, CEO of 18th Wall Productions and guest co-host, author M.H. Norris. And from Studio C, Chris Nigro, all by himself, author and founder of Wild Hunt Press. And I am Robert E. Ronsky, Jr., author of the Horror Crossover Encyclopedia. The TVCU crew are a team of crossovers who devote way too much of their time to connecting the dots to official crossovers and Easter eggs in order to demonstrate a shared fictional reality that we call the television crossover universe. So welcome to everybody. So. So uh, this is MH. You're 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 new to this intro thing, but this is where we do our shameless plugs. Um, so since you are our guest, I'm going to ask you first if you have anything you would like to shamelessly plug or shamefully uh, plug. Um, well, no, this is just going to be downright shameless. Uh, I'm actually going to plug the time travel nexus because um, we actually just gained a whole bunch of new team mates. They're going to be going between book reviews. I'm hoping to gain a couple here on the TV um, crew and various things as we're working to get the site up and running because we're what about... What is the Time Travel Nexus? The Time Travel Nexus is a time travel hub of TV, games, books, uh, websites, whatever we can find time travel. We're hoping to have it mentioned on the site. Granted, this is going to be a process that takes us a good little bit. Um, I haven't even managed to touch Doctor Who yet on the TV part of the site. But I'll um, bet you'd like to touch Doctor Who, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I mean... We, it depends on the actor. It depends on the actor. We, as we mentioned last time, I made an appearance here. I she have, can't wait to get her hands on Colin Baker. Mm, those Kellers. Oh, that you know, Joseph in the Technicolor Ooh. dream coat. You gotta love it. But yes, that's my shameless plugging there. All right. Uh, James, how about you? Well, on the 15th of this month, which is two weeks ago for you now in the future... We released our fourth volume in the Science of Deduction. And you should check it out because this time it's something a little bit different. Once again, it features a retired Holmes, but this time he's forced into pre-war chaos as a high-ranking government official is seeming to be giving secrets to the Germans through a seance hall. And his cohorts this time are the men and women who have inherited Karnacki's home and equipment. It's from John Lidwood Grant, who runs the site that should be award-winning, Grey Dog Tales. And it's absolutely fantastic. And that is all of my plugs. Cool. And just so you know, last week I shamelessly plugged on your behalf that something from 18th Wall is probably coming out this week. You should go to 18thwall.com and find out. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and Ivan, how about you? Well... Since this is happening in the future, I'm 100% certain that by the time anyone hears this, I will have posted the April 1st update for the uh, Crazy Ivan TVCU timeline. Timey wimey. Yes. I hope Wibbly so. Wibbly wobbly. I hope so, because I plugged that last week, too. Excellent. It, it won't be up by the time last week's episode airs, I suspect. But the time travelers will get to see it. Yes, the time travelers will have already seen all of the crazy stuff I added to the year 1942, because that's the part that's really killing me. <laughs> well, it's about time you updated 1942. Yeah, you'd think. Well, it keeps changing, right. and I can't Sorry. really... Sorry. 
<laughs> no, no. <laughs> this one wasn't your fault. This one. Every every time I edit a, a TVCU post and change my theories, I just blame it on time travelers. Like, no, that was canon, and now this is canon yeah. because H- Hiro Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I just finished the first draft of the Gellamore del Toro timeline. So that might actually be up tonight, which is two weeks ago. Cool. So enjoy. Boy, does time fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, um, how about you? What do you got to plug for us? Well, if I may plug a timeline as well, I have some interesting updates for the Triumvirate of Terror timeline that I'm doing on the current iteration of the Monster site. I am proud to say, for those who love Chuck Loredan's original Children of the Night timeline, I have restored it to its full original inspirational glory oh. on its own um, um, WordPress site. And it's now there for people who would like to refer to Chuck's pure intent. Mine has gone off in a couple of directions that you know Chuck didn't intend, so they are now two distinct timelines. But I wouldn't have the Triumvirate of Terror timeline without the Children of the Night timeline as inspiration. I thank Chuck immensely for that. And now both of them are existing side by side. I like that. That's a, that's a, that was a cool idea. To, to, to post both the original and the new one. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I'd also like to make this plug, too. I am totally freaking stoked that we added the word crossoverist to the pop cultural lexicon. Is there a lexicon that we can actually look this up and see what it means now? <laughs> yeah. And do I get credit, because that's all I care about. It's, it's our, just true. our own personal equivalent of the Urban Dictionary, the pop culture. You need to <sighs> Perhaps pop culturist itself would be something you'd have to find in this lexicon, because I've never heard that term. We'll have to add that, too, then. You just did. Don't! Now, I I don't really have anything to talk about, and I feel like I should be talking about something time-travelish, too, or timeline-ish. Maybe you already did. (laughs) Maybe I already did. (laughs) Maybe you will, or maybe one of your future counterparts will in some alternate timeline. Or your alternate self in an alternate universe. Or your alternate (laughs) self in this universe. I did just watch um, a Legends of Tomorrow episode that that really played on Back to the Future Part 3 in in, in some subtle ways. And I, uh, and, uh, I would just say that was a fun episode. And... That's my shameless plug of somebody else. That's okay. This or I'm plugging that I watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the television crossover universe podcast. So if you right. don't watch TV, we're probably doing it wrong. And it was a time travel story. So, All right. Um, so let's get to our guests. So let's go to a commercial. And when we come back, we will have some time travelers on our show. Uh, so we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Our guests tonight are two time travelers, allegedly. Um, I must assume because I've read their book and they seem to know a lot about time travel. Um, They are the authors of So You Created a Wormhole. Um, And so it is my pleasure to welcome to to our show Phil Hornshaw and Nick Herwich. Yay! How's it going? Welcome, guys. How's it going? (laughs) Thanks very much. Um, so my first question for you, uh, before I open it up to everybody else, um, is why time travel? Oh man, because everybody gets it wrong. 
pretty much. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's Thank you. We, that's what we yeah. usually tell people. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's how the book started is Phil and I were just being time travel nerds and talking about different movies. We think specifically uh, Deja Vu, the Denzel Washington joint, mm. um, had just come out and we were talking about that. And yeah, we were, Phil was like, why can no one do this? And I was we were spoiling like, we write a book. plot holes. I was so, I was just like irritated <laughs> about plot holes. And yeah, and that was it. And then we just, then we kicked around the idea for two years and then we finally did it <laughs> like much, much later. So it all started with Denzel. <laughs> yeah, which I like that movie. Like in retrospect, at the time right. I didn't because I was younger, but uh, I like that movie. But yeah, it has, you know, it has weird time travel loopholes in it that don't really make sense so so i've heard your i've heard your uh back to the future trilogy podcast um and uh i love the back to the future trilogy so do you guys apparently mm-hmm. um <laughs> but you've also uh, pointed out a lot of um contradictions in that in in those films um and i love that i love that about you guys because the that's what we do when we talk about films we talk about crossovers in the films and you know when you guys talk about films you talk about the time travel and you're very specific about that stuff and the the marty a the marty b the marty c thing um <laughs> yeah that's that's i i totally i'm totally on board with that um but the jennifer thing does raise a problem <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that she got recast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. Well, I was thinking more of that. Things just keep like changing around her. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was that part of the reboot, guys? Her genetics changed a little bit. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Some, some, she got she got caught in the the quantum. Uh, you Stop. Know, the ripple effects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like the Eric Stoltz uh, Marty. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Marty could have become his own dad, right? Uh, yeah, well, in theory. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> what would have happened. He probably would have become a pile of goo instead. <laughs> if he was on Futurama, he could have. Yes, exactly. Or at least had a counterpart with, you know, lung problems or something or, you know. Right. Well, you kind of mentioned in uh, in, in talking about Back to the Future Part 3 that maybe maybe they his parents were cousins <laughs> be, yeah. be, be, because because clearly um clearly his his mom had an ancestor who already right. had a married into the mcflies in the right. 1800s <laughs> exactly. so no one ever no one ever gets out of hill valley that's you know right. like, it's yeah. very clear that you're just once you're in there you're trapped it's like the twilight zone right you become <laughs> the richest guy in the world and you're still living in hill valley yeah <laughs> it's like the same three families <laughs> have just propagated that whole area for mm-hmm. 150 years well, well I, I I think you like you're saying Doc Brown has some kind of more sinister like behind the scenes kind of <laughs> meddling going on. That's probably what's kept those families together. Right. Yeah, I think Brown I think Doc Brown has a has much more information than anybody gives him credit for. <laughs> I think that it's all an act. His whole crazy crackpot thing, I think that's that's exactly so what he wants. Accidentally sending Marty back to 1955. <laughs> Was no accident. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if he's reckless of- enough to put his beloved dog into a car to test time travel, then he's yeah. reckless enough to use an entire town as his lab. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and guys, how come those Native Americans never reported, you know, seeing a vehicle in, what, 1885, a DeLorean in 1885? Because they did kind of run into it, didn't they? Reported it to who? Yeah, <laughs> who would have listened? <laughs> It became it became a fireside legend for decades. To 
There's a mural on it in a casino somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see that. I was wondering where where that was. What was that bear doing there? Because there is there should there have been bears near you know Hill Valley even in 1885? I didn't see any forest. It was just like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how do where do bears live in the desert? I don't know. That's <laughs> Nick Wikipedia real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, evidently Doc Brown or his ancestors uh, uh, like terraformed Hill Valley because it went from being <laughs> desert to uh, a forested area in a matter of you know, 75 yeah. years. So. It's the Las Vegas of small town suburbs that nobody cares about. <laughs> well, didn't Eastwood <laughs> Ravine have a river going through it? Oh, yeah. there's a. I think so, right? There's a river at the bottom of that hole. Yeah, there's yes. yeah. yeah, sure. It's like yeah. Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a deep deep ravine. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta ask you guys, was Clint Eastwood's parents encouraged to name him after the legendary, mysterious gunslinger who took out uh, Bad Dog Cannon? I'm just wondering, because, you know... Isn't, is Clint Eastwood... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but isn't Clint Eastwood a stage name? It is a stage so, name. Uh, oh, yes, exactly. Oh, so he, <laughs> I see. Yeah. He may have been inspired so by sense. the legendary gunslinger who Indeed. didn't actually shoot anybody. A yeah, little known fact, Clint Eastwood's birth name is Marty McFly. Whoa! <laughs> so, on the topic of Doc Brown's deviousness, in your book, you give Doc the credit of inventing all time travel. Well, apparently, the English Doctor Who licensing company, Big Finish, took issue with this. And in their audio story, The Boy That Time Forgot, you find out every single TARDIS is equipped with a flux capacitor. How badly does this mess you guys up? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> like, time is a pretty malleable thing, right? So, <laughs> Sadly, um, yes. Yeah. I think it fits right in line. Because yeah, right. our, I mean, we took pains to uh, meld basically every instance of time travel and pop culture all together into to a single universe and so so one timeline you know, you'd if, say yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not one timeline but at least one book <laughs> so right you know, if, if, if tardises are being powered by flux capacitors then that that kind of works out nicely for us yeah definitely not one timeline back to the future itself is like five timelines yeah. right exactly yeah uh. All right, speaking of the name of this podcast, I'm going to butt in. Um, did you guys sit down with a list of, we want to cover this, reference this, talk about this, including the completely off-the-wall Pokemon ones, which I loved, by the way? <laughs> um, or did some just show up as you were writing? Um, well, for one thing, we're just like a big pile of nonsense pop culture trivia and information that, like, it takes up way too much of my brain. I'm sure it takes up way too much of Nick's brain. Can't seem to get clear of any of it. So, like, as we were writing, I was like, oh, what about this movie? What about this movie? Um, just kind of naturally. But we also worked off a list um, that we made together, like, just sitting in a coffee shop. And we we're like, okay, what are all our favorite uh, properties? What are all the best ones that we can think of that are, like, really interesting to talk about? And then we also referenced this really great thing I stumbled across um, through like Twitter, um, Alex Greenling, he's a uh, an illustrator. I think he's at Google now. Um, he had made a calendar in um, I want to say 2010 that was just a big giant movie reference calendar. I think it was even like a time travel calendar. I can't I remember now. I have it time travel. Yeah, he had 
he had done a ton of work on this already of like all these really great like um just a bunch of cross universe moments and whenever anybody had traveled to time where they had popped up and so we we had our list and we took um his timeline and then we just augmented it and you know went from there so it kind of came together in a lot of different ways I guess that's the answer, <laughs> but um, well, yeah, we had some really cool, like we just happened across some cool resources that kind of went really well with um, our own dumb brains. We have, have a de facto, legal... oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you have any legal problems with the book or things your editor asked you to cut because of that? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not in terms of fingers still crossed content, yeah, but right. as far as illustrations go, we mm. yeah we yeah. we didn't have any issue, but we wanted to make sure that you know okay the the picture of this thing isn't straight up a DeLorean; it's a DeLorean like looking car mm. um, with a Marty McFly like looking character um, because the imagery is usually more concerning to. Yeah. You could always claim parody if right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we yeah. yeah, and we were, you know, we were paying homage. We didn't want to borrow from anybody. We wanted to augment, you know, like we wanted to take these really great things that we love and put a spin on them that nobody had ever done before. It was so far as we knew, with like trying to explain and trying to add science and and um, link it all together, and so. You know, I don't think we're we should have any legal trouble. And we didn't really we did you know, whenever we thought we were too close to the line, we were like, hey, let's pair it back, let's make sure that we're, you know, very much in our own space, even as we're dealing with other people's stuff. Because yeah, it's something on our mind all the time, you know. You don't want to accidentally um lose all your work to somebody's right. legal battle. So <laughs> Which again fit in line with what we were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, in the time machine chapter, for example, um we we break down the different time machine types and for the the phone booth time machine um in there is a tardis but it's also the phone booth time machine from mm. bill and ted's ex- excellent right. adventure so uh being able to combine things was intentional but it also helped us sidestep a legal quagmire yeah plus you're also like not writing original stories with with the thing so much as you're right. applying theories and then using using the the, the fictional works uh, to represent your theories. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were trying to make we were trying to use people other works as examples whenever we could because we always thought it like it's just a lot easier to kind of go through this like Stephen Hawking level just crazy you know brief history of time stuff and but it's like yeah but if you can relate it to robots killing humans <laughs> right. then you can kind of, you can follow along a little better i always could anyway so and uh we we have kind of a de facto follow-up about space travel called the space heroes guide to glory yes. Yes. in which we we more or less did the same thing but for space heroes um and space travel instead of time travel and it's much. It's it's this. It's a similar idea, but it's much more focused in execution um, as far as the references that we're making. Uh, and in in some ways, I think that makes it better, quote unquote, as a book. But sometimes I look at so you created a wormhole, and I come across a Pokemon reference, <laughs> and I mean. We were really out of our trees. Like, I, don't know how our, <laughs> I don't know how our editor wasn't like, what are you guys even talking about? Yeah, right. I, are you I think you got, a, got away with the Pokemon reference because I actually had just read that part 
right before we started. Um, actually, as we were starting, because I had the book up. And <laughs> it just so seamlessly fits in that unless you're, like, really paying attention, you're like, well, this works. And you're like, wait a second. Right. We're just going to call Pikachu out the Charger time machine to get back to the present. <laughs> but, you know, you mess with the timeline enough and then Pokemon yeah. become real. I'm, I'm right. okay with that eventuality, though. <laughs> oh, Nick, yeah, I mean, I must ask, do you guys have any intention of maybe bringing um, Rip Hunter's Wave Rider into the scheme of things? Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> um, I mean, like, as where we're at right now with uh, time travel is mostly just um, doing our podcast and stuff and like I don't know I don't know what we're I don't know what our next project might be you know <laughs> so the short answer is no because uh, I don't know what we're doing next you know I don't know what we might be I don't know we don't have any plans right now Nick just had a baby right so, like, right Congra- <laughs> and congratulations on that oh, thank you congrats that That's was awesome. quite a um, anatomical feat <laughs> <laughs> well you know he's from the future in the future they can do that. Right. We already know what his child grows up to be and <laughs> But yeah, so he's the Terminator. Know. He's why we have Terminators. I thought his child was an actor whose name was Marty McFly. <laughs> yeah, in the future he and I are best friends. Actually. He sends me back in time and here I am. <laughs> All right. Going back to so I created a wormhole, um, I've always found it interesting that authors can sit here and co-write a book, and you guys do a really good job at not making it look like there's two of you writing. Um, but were there times where you guys sat there and just outright disagreed? We're like, no, I think this versus I think that. And oh, how we did disagree you- all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly where we disagree is like uh, one of us will write a joke and the other one will be like, that is not a good joke. <laughs> That's, it's not funny or it's too off color. And then we, you know, bat that around for a while. Um I don't know. Like, I think we do pretty good. Nick and I have been best friends since like the third grade, um, and we've been doing dumb projects like this since like the sixth grade. <laughs> so um, I don't know. We're we're really good at collaborating because we've been doing it for so long. You know, we we just uh, we know. I know his sense of humor. He knows mine. We like mostly. We just I when I write, I mostly just write to make Nick laugh. And if it works, then I think we're in good shape, pretty much. Yeah, the kind of cheats are, I mean, one, that we've been friends for so long, uh, but also the the tone of the book is very much written in the banter of our friendship. You know, right. everyone kind of develops their own set of references and way of speaking to their closest friends, and we've been doing that for long enough that... Uh, the book just kind of followed naturally from there. I also think it helps on a practical level that we weren't writing fiction. I mean, it is fiction and there are fictional sections, but we were really able to uh, plan things out and, and we had all the source material. Um, Whereas if we were writing a, you know, 400 page novel, a narrative, uh, I think that's where it's much more difficult for writing teams to coexist because you know, it's very much stream of consciousness, what's in your brain, um, and and very much in your own voice. But right. with this type of book, we're able to mind melt a little bit. So speak, yeah. speaking of writing about fiction rather than writing fiction, do people ever get confused when they ask you, what do you write? Because uh, I, It's hard I, to explain. I, write, <laughs> I, I wrote a reference, a reference guide about movies and, and, and 
horror and stuff and people are like oh so you write horror no i write about horror and people don't yeah. don't understand <laughs> yeah i always try to say it's something like it's it's humorous nonfiction, and mm. then go from there. But uh, yeah, I always, I always find I have to give like a ten minute spiel of like, okay, so you know movies, right? So imagine <laughs> movies are real, and then that they're all happening in your universe, and then somebody explained it to you. Okay, I guess that was pretty fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That's good. The, that's the best I've ever done. Well, we came but, yeah, we so. came across that when we uh, shortly after the book came out, as as uh, books are wont to do, we were trying to. Um, get it optioned or sell it as a movie or TV mm-hmm. show. And pretty much universally, you know, some junior executive would read it and be like, this is awesome. But then they take it to their boss and their boss would be like, okay, but what's the story? You know? So that's like the, oh, right. the, the double edged sword there. It's like, it made it easier for us to collaborate. Um, but it also is not like Harry Potter where they're like, Oh, okay. So you just cast Harry Potter and then you shoot it and, I mean, obviously, it's not that simple, but they they saw all the work that needed to be done to make it a, a story. Um, you know, so I guess that's the other end of that. Right. I mean, I feel like you could just have a show around that intern. I forget his name at this particular moment, but you kept dropping him in that first half, and it was hilarious. That could just... Yeah. Poor but, um, intern Ricky. That's it. <laughs> Ricky has a lot of bad things happen to him. <laughs> We've talked about making a, a web series. Um, yeah. We'll see if that happens. It was, and yeah, a large portion of that was about um, the Ricky's many deaths. Um, and one of the, one of the gags, spoiler alert for a show that may never exist. Um, <laughs> one of the gags we always wanted to do was that, you know, the main characters of the, the show um, would constantly be accidentally getting Ricky killed or Ricky would get himself killed mm. and then they'd be going back and pulling him back from earlier in the timeline to prevent it from <laughs> happening <laughs> and, but then you know that had a, its own whole mess of problems that would accumulate you know further down the line so um, especially with yeah. your own book saying do not do that <laughs> oh yeah, my god exactly. you killed Ricky you bastards <laughs> <laughs> we're allowed to do whatever we want we wrote it okay well I mean yeah, that's <laughs> That's drama, right? Like <laughs> we had to get a conflict going. Can't have the book that tells you not to do the cool stories, right? So <laughs> Honestly, we'll if they the if they just made yeah. a show out of your podcast with like on sci fi or something with you guys, you know, talking about movies and, and analyzing them and stuff, I would watch that. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's what they viewers, should be doing. You guys would definitely have viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll get on that. Yeah. History channel. So, so I'm saying Talk that. So, so <laughs> the 46 listeners we have, maybe one of them's an executive. <laughs> so we're, we are in LA. We should just go to Starbucksville and just start screaming from the street corner. Right. <laughs> we just go record them live in a coffee shop, and eventually somebody we'll get can kicked out, get them <laughs> or people I mean, will start showing up to hear you. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. Do we'll some publicity stunt. Listen to why Biff Tannen is actually the hero of Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, because Biff's awful, but that was right. just the first example He's I just thought Just a of. rapist, attempted murderer. Just a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awkward. Yes, but would he have but been a, a lovable one? Not for Marty McFly. That's the question I always have. And right. Not to defend him, but I am like just interested in how like Biff's life got, went without any interference and like just how awful he was naturally. I don't know. It's weird. Right. Just, just would have been a bully. 
Right. Well, he became a loser. So. He began, but he became less of a loser. He gave me like a a Marty level nineteen or uh, twenty twenty five or twenty fifteen. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> twenty fifteen level Marty loser. Remember, he had like the same job as Marty in the office. But he was more of a needles because uh, yeah, because he in the first movie at the beginning he was getting Marty's dad to like do his homework for him at the right, work I mean, at the corporation. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I always wondered, guys, why back in 1955 did Biff not want George McFly in the mall shop? Remember, he said, I don't, I don't want to see you in here. I mean, why not? Why didn't he want him in there? I don't know. He's just mean. He's just a bully. He was just bullying him. Yep. Because it's hilarious. He's funny off of him when he's in there and stuff. You know, I just. Well, he knew where he lived, I guess, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also, his hair was dumb. That was the problem. <laughs> it, it was pretty dumb hair. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. Hair. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go, go a little timey wimey with this one. Um, a couple times in the book, we make a joking reference to a second edition. If you would be willing to break the first law of time and possibly create a paradox to tell your past selves, you should add this to the book. What would it be? Oh man. Uh, uh, probably a narrative so that we could sell it. As a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be it. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, I, actually, I mean, I, I think my biggest change is more of like a mechanical one. Um, a lot of the criticism we've gotten rightly, I think, about the book is that the second half isn't as good as the first half, which we intended the, the book to like be... You know, you read it straight through in the front. It's like, an expl- yeah, it's like yeah. an explanation. But the back half is, it's supposed to be a joking like, okay, what year am I in? And you flip to, you know, the relevant section. And if you read it straight, I don't think it's as good. Because like it's it redundant is, and- yeah, it gets, yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be like your Boy Scout manual. Okay, a snake bit me, what do I do? Kind of thing. Um, so I would change that. I would, I would change how we went about that or maybe split the two halves into actual two, two different works or something like that. Um, I don't know. What would you? What would be cool to add, though, Nick? Uh, I mean, I, I, going along with that, I think we could, uh, by cutting from the reference manual back half, we'd probably add more to the front half, just more uh, direct movie references and situations that, and and how to get out of them and or not create them. I think. Right. I think that's what people are into. I mean, the you know one of the biggest compliments we've received on it is. Uh, uh, someone who worked at Penguin actually, you know, I read it and then <laughs> they were like, I, I understood relativity for the first time after reading <laughs> Like, wow. It, you know, one hand, that, that was our intention, but on the other hand, it was cool that it worked. And so, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's what people really dug. Um, you know, the I, I like the back half a lot, um, but yeah. it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't blend the uh, the fictional stuff that we're all familiar with, um, with the science as well as the front half. Right. Oh, you know what? Okay, I can think of something specific I would like to tackle, and I'm hoping that we might actually do this on the podcast if Nick can ever catch up. But I got uh, pretty deep into the 12 Monkeys TV show that Sci-Fi is doing, mm, yeah. and I wouldn't mind messing with that because that whole thing is getting confusing, <laughs> but in a cool way. So, like, that, that whole show, you know, like, 12 Monkeys, the movie is... It's all a big loop, and that's kind right. of yeah. And uh, the show is going in that same direction, too, but in a, it's taking an interestingly meandering kind of route. So I wouldn't mind uh, tackling that a few times. And I don't know. I like that adaptation. I think it's kind of cool, the way they've 
rethought about all the uh, the goofy like Lajete original ideas and kind of reworked them into a TV show. Nick hasn't watched it though, so I haven't, I haven't either. I, I'm a big fan oh, of the mo- I'm a big fan of movie. Oh yeah, sorry, that was kind of boring then, probably. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, I've been trying to get to watch it for the um, Nexus because, um, but I just haven't had the time yet. But it's on my yeah. list. Hopefully, get to it's, it's pretty good. It's. Uh, I think they're going to season two. They are. Soon. Yeah. My wife got really into it. I was like, okay. I turned her super nerdy when we, <laughs> when we started skating. Now she likes all that stuff. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, it went pretty well. <laughs> so, Stockholm <right>. syndrome. <laughs> I asked the rest of the gang this, so now it's y'all's turn. Um, we were talking about time travel bucket list, and if you could go one place, where would you go, or when rather? And I got their answers, so now yeah. your turn. Go ahead, Nick. Oh man, <laughs> I'm sure we've I'm sure we've answered this before. I've definitely answered it. I cannot remember what I've said before or what I would do. So I, you go ahead. I, I gotta think about it. I'm I'm gonna give a double answer. It's hard to choose between a uh, a moment and a place in the past that we know exists but don't actually understand uh, in the way we understand the present versus um, seeing what happens in the future. I mean, because they're they're so wholly different um but if i were going to the past i would definitely go check out uh, ancient egypt and just see what the hell is going on there and uh get video of the aliens helping humans build the pyramids (laughs) and you know the future how far would i want to go probably like 200 years i'm trying to see what's happening check out the nuclear apocalypse i can't remember which story it is um, but there's man I'm sorry now I can't think of the reference but there's a, a really great line in a novel that I read <laughs> that's like it's it basically says you can only go you know roughly 150 200 years in any direction because after that language starts to become so different that you wouldn't mm. be able to understand anybody or that yeah. nobody would be able to understand you so that's like an interesting caveat to it as well oh, I think you're I was dying like, or spreading disease one way or the other. So. <laughs> That's true. Well, isn't it also true, Nick and Phil, that if you went even like 150 years in the past, you couldn't eat the food because you wouldn't be used to it? Wouldn't you get like a massive case of traveler's diarrhea if you ate I'm sure. Almost yeah. certainly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you got to bring your own food and your own currency, as Doc Brown pointed out. So. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, you raised a good point. Like what? one thing that like, I never think about when people are like, where would you go, is that if I went to like – say ancient egypt i don't speak ancient egyptian <laughs> like, right. and nobody does is the other thing like it's not right. like you can go oh, i'm gonna go bone up on my ancient egyptian yeah. like <laughs> well, you have to bring a babble fish yeah. couldn't yeah, we right. resolve <laughs> something <laughs> that by going in the future and getting our hands on a universal translator you know putting in their ear and then you know that's exactly that's when you get do. a tardis because they've got the circuit and you're good to go right. oh. yeah. yeah how is that different than having the babble fish though that's the same thing a little more efficient in my opinion they have the translator. Also, you don't have a thing in your brain. No. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily a thing in your brain. The TARDIS is mainly just not the TARDIS. Oh. The babble fish. The babble fish. The babble fish has to go yeah. colonize your brain, right? So yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I missed that reference. Yeah, yeah that, that's one of the things that puzzled me about that that storyline in Star Trek Voyager when they went back like from the twenty fourth century to the the year nineteen ninety six, and they could just 
order hot dogs and eat them. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, well, they- double dumbass on you. <laughs> <laughs> People oh, yeah. in 1996 got diarrhea from eating 1996. <laughs> yeah, that 200 years in the future, you're screwed. <laughs> People even ever actually eat real meat before? You know, they were using replicators, and you know, why? I was just wondering, and they're like, "Oh, this food is good." I mean, wouldn't they say, "Oh my God, these are real dead animals we're eating"? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the mystery yeah. parts also. Right, definitely. <laughs> With replicators, you know at least you know exactly what you're getting in the stuff you eat, you know. Yeah, you're getting yeah. fake stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they still had real food in Star Trek. It just was on Earth. They had restaurants and stuff. Right. Well and then the uh uh the uh NCW or the seventeen oh one A carried real food, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it was only the twenty fourth. They eating real meat, or was it just like all you know hydroponic, you know fruits and vegetables? Apparently, well, they I'm had, sure it was all processed. Captain, Captain Kirk totally talked about like Thanksgiving turkey one time. Yeah, I yeah, remember. yeah, yeah. So. You, you know, Kirk ate like real food. Kirk, yeah, <laughs> like burger now. <laughs> right. I just had to kill some aliens. <laughs> you, know, you would think that resources in space would be scarce enough that they'd have to eat the dead red shirts just to like, keep things <laughs> We call that recycling. Hello. Yeah. Exactly. I wonder if they your ever, water. Did they ever taste tarred meat? That's what I always wondered. You know. <laughs> there, there's definitely some uh, some matrix potential with the, the fake food creation. You know, it's like, is this actually what steak tastes like, or is it just telling me that this is what steak tastes like? <laughs> I don't actually know when you get a few generations removed. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to sample the cuisine of the distant past. you know, I, Or the distant not. future, for that matter. Well, I, I, I'd be less worried about getting sick in the future, you know. But uh, couldn't you, couldn't you guys suggest you just bring a, a couldn't you just boil water, you know, in, in, in the, if you go in the past and then, you know. You get, get to be the crazy person going to boil all of his water <laughs> yeah, and eat his right. own food. Also, you just oh, invented fire and became a god. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is one of your recommendations, so I guess you're off on the great start there, Chris. Exactly. It's true. You have it is cuisine. a good way to, to solve a lot of problems very quickly. <laughs> By inventing fire and becoming god. <laughs> uh, granted, you went back early enough, but that's semantics. <laughs> that's true. Did you even pick one, Phil? Did you cop out? Hey, I think he did, actually. <laughs> I didn't. We just got on a tangent. I, um, so yeah, for my part, uh, going back, I'm just would it would be the Jurassic Park fantasy. I was, you know, when I was a kid, it would just be cool to go see dinosaurs and, mm. you know, and then abscond before one kills you. But <laughs> like for that period, um, like to do the sort of a Lost World thing that in Michael Greitens' novel where, um. You like set up a tree blind and just like chill out up there for a while and just observe. That'd be super cool. And then going forward, uh, yeah, I think I would go like Nick said. I'd probably go for just about the outer edge of what would be feasible as far as not getting sick from the food and being able to be understood when I speak with people and just like you know see what's up. Although I would like to just drop by um, the Doc Brown Marty McFly timeline 2015 if it was possible in some way and figure out what the deal is with all those laser discs that are just like piled in alleys right. <laughs> and just like and then see jaws 19 too that'd be good yeah <laughs> and everybody having like 10 fax machines in their house i know right 
you know, machines very important. I'm still wanting my hoverboard. All the people are complaining about how those changes never happened, but it's clearly because Marty learned not to, uh, not to race. You know, absolutely. Every, every every single thing that didn't happen is because Marty learned a lesson. Yeah, they went back yeah. and they went. They were in the old west making all kinds of ripples. Right. So yeah. that's why the fact and and uh, Fifth World. <laughs> I mean, they were in the past in three different places making ripples. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we saw 2015, so, incidentally, one thing about um, the 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 evil world, as I call it, the the, uh, the yeah. Biff's world, is um, is um, in that world, Marty was still there at the same time that Marty A shows up. He 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 was off in Europe or something at some right. school. school. He yeah. did in time travel, so they were both existing in the same timeline at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, which happens a lot in those movies, and right. they never account for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But still made his movies in that timeline. Isn't that awesome? Yep. <laughs> and Jennifer should have been lost in that timeline, never to be seen again by Marty or Doc. And Einstein too. Don't forget Einstein. Yeah, and so it just ripples around them because that works and makes sense. Right. Um. Before before even getting there, it doesn't work because they shouldn't be able to visit them their future selves in the in the future because right. when they when they traveled from 1985, they basically disappeared out of existence, and so when they reappear in 2015, they're arriving in a world that has not had them in it for 30 years. It there seems like. No, oh, go ahead. Go uh, just, I was just going to finish and say there is no visiting your future self based on the rules that. The movie itself sets up. It, it's, <laughs> right. It seems like they, they have a, a few different sets of rules, and it depends. Because as you had mentioned, when Biff went back in time and gave the sports almanac um, to his younger self, um, time should have rippled to the future so that tw- you know the 2015 would have been a completely different timeline as well at right. that point. And they wouldn't yeah. have been even better. They would have actually never even time traveled in the first place. It would have created a huge paradox uh, be- or at the very least, Biff would not have been able to return to that future 2015 because that one no longer existed for him. Right. He should Absolutely. have gone to the new timeline. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Hey, the previous Marty in 1955 was still able to knock the other Marty on his arse accidentally at that one. Mm-hmm. So there are no ripples there. And uh, well, right. <laughs> predestiny and free will are right. both valid concepts. That- exactly. And the other big, the other big contradiction is, if his parents not meeting was going to erase him from the timeline, um, then that means that it's one single timeline that's being rewritten. Uh, which means that as soon as all those changes happened, when he went back to the future, he should have had. He shouldn't have been like, "Oh, mom, dad, why are you like this?" He should have just remembered them always being like that because he he would have been altered as well. I- and they didn't recognize him, MH. You notice that they did not recognize that their son kind of looked like that guy Marty. That kind of sort of got them together and popped up at their school for a week. Right. Well, that's yeah. always a plot device that gets used. It's your past kid comes back, visits you, but then when you actually hit back, you're like, wait a second. No, because right. people are too oblivious to notice these important details. Yeah, I mean, well, like, you wouldn't notice is, your child slowly turning into that guy you knew 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even if, and even if yeah. they did recognize it, like, what what are you going to you're gonna be like, oh, wait, are you actually that guy? You actually, know, I actually I, if I was Marty's well, dad, I would have been pissed like, yeah. That That's your son looks like say. Calvin Klein. Wait <laughs> <laughs> a second. Is he visiting when I was on a business trip? He's still around, isn't he? I'll actually take I'll take issue with one thing that you said. 
he wouldn't it's, even though even though the timeline uh automatically corrects and changes marty is separate from that because he was traveling in time so he it doesn't it doesn't rewrite him because he's the control he okay. went back to Fair the enough. past but when he travels to the future uh, when he comes back to 1985, he sees himself in the, uh, well, now the Lone Pines Mall parking lot traveling to the past. Right. Who is not him, even right. though the, the movie structures it like that's him. Uh, but in the 30 years that he just jumped over, his parents got together, had kids. And then so that that's where that's where the concept of Marty B comes in. Yeah. Um, so that Marty would have no concept of his parents being different but marty the hero that we know remembers it because he came from there and that's where the dark brown's machinations comes in because um uh, he can't he had better family life and yet he still had became like the same person person right. in that alternate i mean as far as we know we only got to see a glimpse of him for for a few minutes that you know that one portion of his life was exactly the same. Uh, right. For all we know, he could have had a completely different personality. Well, Doc Brown is a manipulating bastard, and he clearly <laughs> had ideas of what's supposed to happen based on what experiences he had in 1955, mm-hmm. and he did everything he yeah. could to make sure those things still happened. Yeah. And didn't yeah. he realize they had to go back that second time to 1955? Because if they wouldn't have, and Doc Brown didn't have that conversation out in the street with uh, his 1955 self, he would have used the wrong wrench. Remember, he had to tell right. him, don't you mean, uh, you know. No, no. I so, mean, arguably with that, Chris, uh, that would be more on the future. I mean, yeah, I guess eventually he did click, oh, wait a second, that's me. That's that predestiny type paradox that, hey, someone has to hand that wrench. Oh, I happen to be here at this time. I don't think he realized it was himself until he went there to visit. And then he it was the one to hand the wrench. He's like, oh, ha, just kidding, that's me. Right. It's one of those instances where you have to extrapolate that the first time around, before future Doc Brown came back to hand him the wrench, that past Doc Brown without his influence, figured it out on his own eventually. Right. Just maybe not in that moment, but in a different way it occurred to him. And because like otherwise that episode it of... Work. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was no, that was going to talk about drawn together. Oh, I, oh I, man. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that um, um, also, it seems to me that Doc Brown, at least in the second timeline, remembers you know, because he knew to wear the bulletproof vest, so he remembers all the events that had happened in the 50s with Marty, so it seems like he would have specifically chosen Marty, at, at least in timeline right. B, to go mm-hmm. back in time, because he knew it had to happen. Right. He would have, when he met Marty and they became friends, he had to have remembered all that. Right, oh, yeah. right. You know, it, like, totally has a different influence on their relationship. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, while about- his parents doesn't remember that he looks like... <laughs> Yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> but Brown certainly does. Doc Brown does. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> I, I, I guess. We talked about that in the podcast, but to carry it through, I mean, Marty Marty B's life sucks. He's he's definitely a pawn. And, <laughs> um, and be, because of what I said before about it being impossible, based on the rules of Back to the Future, to visit your future self, that shitty version of Marty that we see at the beginning of Back to the Future 2 is actually Marty B. It's not even... right. Our Marty yeah. <laughs> that he's seeing and is worried about becoming. So it's it like a he became that alternate be- timeline that they go to, right? Yeah, but yeah. or well, it's his timeline, yeah. but it's a different Marty. It's right. the Marty that grew up with 
awesome parents. <laughs> Doesn't it mean Doc Brown A in like the Virgin timeline never met a Marty in the past, yet Doc Brown B knew that he had to meet Marty and everything happened exactly the same, at least up to that point, except that he knew what his previous version didn't? I hope I'm not giving you guys a headache with this because I'm getting... No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, the trouble is we don't know exactly how close everything really matches up to what Marty... A remembers like Doc Brown is approximating the new timeline in uh, such a way that you know it'll match what he thinks is supposed to happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is exact. As long as it kind of yeah, exactly. As long as it kind of gets there, right? So everything we need to know about Doc Doc Brown uh, is told to us by the fact that he is adamantly against knowing about um, his future. Uh, and he won't read the letter. He doesn't even want to see it. But then he reads the letter. So <laughs> right. Not to I mention watching that video of yeah, the night they did to exactly. the time travel experiment. He has best laid plans, but he can't help himself. Right. He's kind of right? uh, kind of a hypocrite. Yes, he's super <laughs> yeah. much a, a hypocrite. We saw him tear the envelope apart, guys, but does that mean he took the paper out beforehand that was all just, no, you know, he, showboating he, on it? No, he taped, taped it together. Too, and then taped it back <laughs> yeah. together later. Yeah, oh. no, yeah, he, when he pulls it out, it's all taped. Ah, he all the pieces, basically. And so, then he yeah. says, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, ironically, we're almost out of time. Um, so, um, <laughs> I wanted to that. give you guys, uh, another chance to plug the Space Heroes Guide to Glory. Um, be- oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. So do sure. it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is our more recent book. Uh, yep. it is similar to So You Created a Wormhole, but it's, you know, it's a guide to how to become a, uh, podunk planet dwelling nobody and turn into Captain Kirk or Han Solo. Um, so it's full of, you know, awesome Star Wars, Star Trek mainly, uh, but other, you know, like space adventuring tropes, um, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, where where Wormhole is more about concepts and time travel, like, as a whole, I would say that Space Hero is more about characters and, like, you know, riffing off the different sort of tropes that we see in a lot of uh, sci-fi characters and kind of having fun with that. More like they turn into a movie? I uh, hope so. We have we we have a little bit more of a through line there. The uh, the Space Heroes Guide to Glory is actually written written by ghost written by us, but written by uh, Captain uh, Dirk Parsec, mm-hmm. uh, the galaxy's foremost space hero. So um, maybe maybe someone will will fall in love with him, and we can throw him in a movie. That'd be good. The framing device <laughs> is that he's uh, it opens with a captain's log from. Dirk Parsec, and he's about to die. His death is imminent, but before his ship hurtles into a giant blue star, he is going to uh, bequeath unto you all of his space heroing knowledge. (laughs) I mean, I don't see why that couldn't work. After all, we're getting a Fantastic Beast and where to find the movie, and technically that was written by Rowling, but as somebody else who's telling the story, now they're getting a movie. So there you go. That's very true, except Harry Potter has sold 10 bajillion copies. (laughs) Fantastic Beast was originally written as a reference guide. Yeah, that's true. An in-universe reference guide, just like what you've done. Well, we need to get in touch with that whoever that is. We're starting here first. Warner Brothers, Space Heroes: Glory, as viable as Harry Potter. (laughs) Just show up and tell them you're from the future and you already know this has happened, so that they need to just give you money. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to ruin the universe. 
I'm very <laughs> confident, guys, there'll be some alternate timeline out there where that book gets made into a <laughs> Hopefully not an alternate timeline. Hopefully this I prefer to be this long. Yeah. We're going to go take our more successful selves place. Right. We have, well, what we have to do is jump in the uh, time machine and run through the cycle of the universe 500 times like in, in Futurama. Right. And find the universe where it's, you know, 12 feet higher. Yeah. <laughs> crush our other selves, take over their lives, that could be good. We could do that. <laughs> yes, but what if that universe is the one where you guys suck? Well, well, well you jump in again and you go to the next keep, Just keep going. <laughs> you, know? you guys cause a nuclear holocaust somehow. You step on the wrong beetle or something and the butterfly effect. And you... How do you know that this timeline isn't the one where we suck? <laughs> I'm not I think convinced. it is. But <laughs> All right, uh, and the podcast that you guys do is uh, Paradox, the time travel podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. Indeed. So we haven't done an episode in about six months. Stash, yeah. Dad, don't. Don't do well, that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That's all right. There's, there's like uh, six of them on there now that people yeah. can listen to. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And we're, we're actually primed to do an episode about the movie Time Crimes. Hmm. Any day now could happen. Could happen after this. Who knows? It's, have, so, you guys seen, have you guys seen Time Crimes? I have not, no. I've never it's heard a of Spanish, it. It's a Spanish film. It, it was on Netflix forever, and now it's not. You have to be careful if you go and rent it because for some reason most of the downloadable streaming uh, rental services have the dubbed version, which mm. is terrible. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> Voodoo, I know, has the subtitled version, but it's it's like a cool, loopy, mind-bendy, um, kind of self-contained thriller time travel movie. Um uh, I, I guess I would describe it as a dark comedy. Would you say that, Phil? Is it uh, a comedy? To some degree, yeah. I feel like parts of it are comedic, but it gets it. It's, I, okay, so I would say that it like starts kind of comedic and then goes dark, and then never really. Yeah, comes it gets back, it gets but, kind of darker and darker. Yeah, um, but it's it's pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah. Have you guys seen Primer? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that 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 movie I had to watch twice. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, even then you're like only just starting to. Yeah, understand. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten to primer yet, and there's a reason for that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of notes, right. a lot of whiteboard drawing stuff like that. Yeah. So we got uh, most of most of the the pertinent spoiler alert for primer. Most <laughs> of the pertinent time travel stuff in primer happens off screen, so it's like yeah. you have to right. infer it from what is on screen that's a little difficult to do right okay and you guys can be found uh on the time travel com. correct right all yeah. right so that's where people can find you and, and twitter we and tweet a lot you're on twitter and wh- wh- how, where can the people find you on twitter what's your handles or i'm at he wizard which is a permutation on my last name mm-hmm. right and i'm just at phil hornshaw all one all one word all right cool um, so it was great having you on, and we hope to have you on again because uh, we had a lot more stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. We had a blast. Yeah, it yeah, was a lot of fun. I'll thanks tell you, um, our, our co-host James Boyacek, he texted me one day like, you have to buy this book, so you create a wormhole, and I like immediately went out and bought it. <laughs> oh, like, l- like I literally got the text and went out and bought it because when he tells me, buy this book right now, I, I do that. <laughs> I, uh, funny story about So You Create a Wormhole. When James and I, we were out, this is probably not too long after the book came out, we were out at our local bookstore and there was one copy and we had a fight over this thing. <laughs> I won. That's Black awesome. eyes all around. 
<laughs> I, I somehow feel that was probably the same day. It might have been because he won. Yeah. <laughs> a timeline out there where you won the Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And your future selves came back to get it, and then it was just... I think oh, they actually did because I can't find it. I had to get the Kindle version. For- <laughs> I was going to say, just buy another one. <laughs> right, did, right, actually. right. No. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, we were kidding. You didn't have we to. appreciate that. <laughs> it's been fun with So You Created a Wormhole because it came out in 2012 and it's just had a steady word of mouth, you know, point, right. case in point being on here today with you guys you know like people keep finding it and reading it and that's very cool so we appreciate yeah, and it they contact us every once in a while and we get to have fun reference conversations and talk about time travel rules and people try to stump us occasionally but I feel like we've done a pretty good job of, uh, oh, yeah. of batting back those <laughs> and because of all the crossovers it's appeared on my um television crossover universe website um we, we write, wrote up a blurb about it and it's also been in my horror crossover encyclopedia book reference because it has some mentions of evil dead well army of darkness and yeah, alien yeah. and stuff and so 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 we've been plugging it as well just because uh it's it's really awesome well, yeah, thanks. So. Really appreciate it. So it was it was great having you on, and we we'll definitely have to have you on again. Unfortunately, we really are out of time. Um, so thank you for being on with with all of us, and uh, it was a blast. And we're going to cut to a commercial, and then we'll be right back. Thanks, guys. That's good. Thanks, Take guys. It easy, guys. Thanks. thanks. That's about all the time we've got, ironically. Um, join us next week when we'll be talking with author Hannah Lackoff. Uh, MH, thank you again for being on our show uh, to talk about time travel. It was a pleasure. Before we end, I want to thank our sponsor, the Qualified Users and Negotiators of Time Travel Universal Ministry. And a special thanks to Tiny White and the Deadites for our show's theme music, Leaf on a Stream. Thanks to all who listened. Remember to subscribe to and rate our show on iTunes. And as always, everything happens somewhere. And some when. And some when. Good night.